Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, 2-22-22. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, has the founding mystery of the original DAO controversy been solved? We finally have Sony's new PlayStation VR 2 design. Crypto exchange FTX makes a big move into gaming. Data points suggest remote work is here to stay. And a review of the Galaxy S22 Ultra. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Remember when Brady Dale was on that recent bonus episode and he referred to the DAO, one of the original and biggest DAOs that was set up early in Ethereum's life to run that project, but then a bunch of ETH disappeared, 5% of all ETH at the time, in fact, and so the project was forked, and that's why Ethereum Classic exists today. Well, a new investigation suggests that Austrian programmer Toby Honich, who founded 10X, was likely behind the 2016 hack of the DAO, diverting 3.6 million ETH, now worth $11 billion. Quoting Forbes and reporter Laura Shin, whose investigations are behind these new allegations, quote, The DAO was a decentralized venture capital fund which had raised $139 million in Ether by the time its crowd sale ended in 2016, making it the most successful crowdfunding effort to that date. Weeks later, a hacker siphoned 31% of the ETH in the DAO, 3.64 million total, or about 5% of all ETH then outstanding, out of the main DAO and into what became known as the Dark DAO. Who hacked the DAO? My exclusive investigation built on the reporting from my new book, The Cryptopians, Idealism, Greed, Lies, and the Making of the First Big Cryptocurrency Craze, appears to point to Toby Honich, a 36-year-old programmer who grew up in Austria and was living in Singapore at the time of the hack. Until now, he has been best known for his role as a co-founder and CEO of 10X, which raised $80 million in a 2017 initial coin offering to build a crypto debit card, an effort that failed. The market cap of those tokens which spiked at $535 million, now sits at just $11 million. To put the enormity of this hack in perspective, with ETH now trading around $3,000, 3.64 million ETH would be worth $11 billion. The DAO theft famously and controversially prompted Ethereum to do a hard fork, where the Ethereum network split into two as a way to restore the stolen funds, which ultimately left the dark DAO holding not ETH, but far less valuable Ethereum Classic, or ETC. The proponents of the fork had hoped ETC would die out, but now it trades around $30. That means the descendant wallets of the dark DAO now hold more than $100 million in ETC, a high dollar monument to the biggest whodunit in crypto. On the morning of June 17th, ETH reached a new all-time high of $21.52, making the crypto in the DAO worth $249.6 million. When American Griff Green woke up that morning in Germany, he was staying in the family home of two brothers who were Slack.it co-founders. He had a message on his phone from a Dow Slack community member who said something weird was happening. It looked like funds were being drained. Green, Slack.it's first employee and community organizer, checked. There was indeed a stream of 258 ETH, then $5,600 transactions, leaving the Dow. By the time the attack stopped a few hours later, 31% of the ETH in the 
DAO had been siphoned out into the Dark DAO. As awareness of the attack spread, Ether had its highest trading day ever, with its price plummeting 33% from $21 to $14. Soon, the Ethereum community pinpointed the vulnerability that enabled this theft. The DAO smart contract had been written so that any time someone withdrew money, the smart contract would send the money first before updating that person's balance. The attacker had used a malicious smart contract that withdrew money, 258 ETH at a time, then interfered with the updating of the contract, allowing them to withdraw the same Ether again and again. It was as if the attacker had $101 in their bank account, withdrew $100 at a bank, then kept the bank teller from updating the balance to $1, and again requesting and receiving another $100, end quote. So, by the way, given yesterday's news about smart contracts, here's, I guess, the canonical example of shenanigans in smart contracts. Read the entire piece for more details. It's a bit of a long read, but here are the specifics of the allegations as Shin says she uncovered them. Quoting again, Jumping off from the confirm analysis, blockchain analytics company Chainalysis saw the presumed attacker had sent 50 BTC to a Wasabi wallet, a private desktop Bitcoin wallet that aims to anonymize transactions by mixing several together in a so-called coin join. Using a capability that is being disclosed here for the first time, Chainalysis demixed the Wasabi transactions and tracked their output to four exchanges. In a final crucial step, an employee at one of the exchanges confirmed to one of my sources that the funds were swapped for privacy coin Grin and withdrawn to a Grin node called grin.toby.ai. Due to exchange privacy policies, normally this sort of customer information would not be disclosed. The IP address for that node also hosted Bitcoin Lightning nodes, ln.toby.ai, lnd.ln.toby.ai, etc., and was consistent for over a year. It was not a VPN. It was hosted on Amazon Singapore. Lightning Explorer 1ML showed a node at that IP called 10X. For anyone who was into crypto in June 2017, this name may ring a bell. That month, as the ICO craze was reaching its initial peak, there was an $80 million ICO named 10X. The CEO and co-founder used the handle at Toby AI on AngelList, BetaList, GitHub, Keybase, LinkedIn, Medium, Pinterest, Reddit, Stack Overflow, and Twitter. His name was Toby Honich. Where was he based? In Singapore, end quote. By the way, in an email, Toby Honich has denied all of the allegations. This is one where you're probably going to want to click through for the pictures, but Sony has finally revealed the design of its new VR headset, the forthcoming PlayStation VR 2, quoting The Verge. The new design features a similar white and black color scheme as the PlayStation 5. The company says the two products were designed with each other in mind, and while it features the same broad design as the original PSVR, the new model also brings a few enhancements, including a lens adjustment dial, a new vent design, and a slight reduction in weight. And similar to the PlayStation 5 and its DualSense controller, the PSVR 2 has tiny textured PlayStation icons hidden on the front and back bands of the headset. The headset supports haptic feedback, eye tracking, 4K HDR, 90 to 120 hertz frame rates, foveated rendering, and a field of view of 110 degrees, and it connects to the PS5 with a single USB-C cable." End quote. Still no word, though, on price or release date, though Sony has already announced that a standalone Horizon VR game called Call of the Mountain is being built specifically for PSVR 2, which, 
given my Horizon kick of late, actually has me excited. Crypto exchange FTX.us has launched FTX Gaming, a gaming unit offering crypto as a service for game companies looking to launch tokens or add NFT support, quoting Bloomberg. The move into gaming follows FTX's announcement in November that it would invest $100 million together with two partners to spur integration of the Solana blockchain into video games. Crypto's push into the gaming industry has been beset by controversy with fans and developers alike criticizing play-to-earn models where gamers can benefit financially from participating in blockchain-based games. We are launching FTX Gaming because we see games as an exciting use case for crypto, an FTX spokesperson said in an email. There are more than 2 billion gamers in the world who have played with and collected digital items and can now also own them, end quote. Amy Wu, head of FTX's $2 billion venture capital fund, has said it's too early to know what play-to-earn might look like until more studios develop games that offer digital assets alongside quality games, rather than, quote, making trade-offs that actually make that content experience work in exchange for profit. I wouldn't have been able to predict kind of how fierce the animosity has been with some gamers against NFTs, and it's unfortunate, but it's interesting, Wu said on a February 15th episode of Decrypt's GM podcast, end quote. Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants, the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at CutsClothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. CutsClothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance, so literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com slash 
slash techmeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash techmeme. ZocDoc dot com slash techmeme. Is remote work for tech companies real? What if I told you that a recent analysis suggests that around 43% of job listings from West Coast tech companies are now being posted in places like Texas, Virginia, New York, Georgia, and other non-Silicon Valley locations? Quoting Bloomberg, More than 4 in 10 listings for higher-educated white-collar occupations at technology companies based in California, Oregon, and Washington are outside of the region, according to an analysis by the conference board. Texas is by far the top state destination, including in Austin, where Tesla just moved its headquarters. Among metro areas, Washington, D.C. comes on top, followed by New York City. While East Coast cities like Boston have long been tech hubs, the findings point to a pandemic-era shift inland. Denver and Nashville, Tennessee have seen some of the biggest increases in job postings. The trend, which began before the COVID-19 crisis, has greatly accelerated since, as companies went fully or partially remote, and many workers fled California. Tech firms are also expanding. Amazon in Arlington, Virginia, and Google in Manhattan, for instance, and seeking local talent. The percentage of job postings outside of the West Coast, 43%, has jumped from about 30% at the beginning of 2019, according to research from the conference board." End quote. Spotify says its car thing, remember that's the official name, is now on sale for 90 bucks after being announced in April 2021. A future software update will add audible support and more, quoting CNET. Spotify's main listening location is the home, but the car is a close second, said Gustav Sonderstrom, Spotify's chief research and development officer. He says Americans spent an insane 70 billion hours a year on the road pre-pandemic. But while roughly 50 to 70% of cars on U.S. roads may be able to connect to a phone, they're not so fresh off the line as to have an entertainment display that easily streams tunes and podcasts. To Spotify, that meant drivers in roughly 140 million cars might stream Spotify more or start paying for it if they don't already if a device could replicate Apple's CarPlay or Android Auto for them. It may look a bit like a sideways Zune, Microsoft's failed music player that launched in 2006, but with a credit card-sized touchscreen, mics to pick up voice commands, five buttons and a dial, the $90 car thing is a souped-up Spotify remote control for your ride. It mounts to your dash with the goal of bringing a better way to safely stream music to drivers missing one of those fancy infotainment systems. No dashboard teardown or new car required. When Spotify first unveiled CarThing in April, more than 2 million people signed up for its waitlist. The earliest people invited to try it got it free. By fall, people had to start paying 80 bucks. On Tuesday, it's finally going on sale in the U.S. with a $10 price hike to 90 bucks. Currently, CarThing works only with Spotify's premium tier. That means on top of the $90 you pay for the hardware, you must also pay for a Spotify membership. Its standard subscription is $10 a month, though it comes as cheap as $5 a month for students. So CarThing is only for Spotify, but only for now. Its software is on track for an update in a few weeks that will unlock it to control other audio apps, Soderstrom said. If you love Audible, CarThing will be able to play, pause, skip, and adjust volume for your audiobooks. The update will even allow CarThing to work for services that are Spotify's direct competitors. We want to be an open platform, he said. That openness could eventually extend to deeper integrations with potential partners. If CarThing takes off, he added, 
While Spotify wouldn't elaborate on future partnerships, a car thing that could toggle between Spotify and Google Maps or Waze would give it the one-two punch of both music navigation and, well, literal navigation. The car thing team's eureka moment was combining a hat trick of voice commands, touchscreen, and physical inputs like buttons and dials. Drivers needed all three working in concert, they realized. A touchscreen is impossible for typing each letter of a song title while driving, but voice commands handle long titles easily. Yet voice commands are a frustrating way to get to the bottom of a long playlist. A physical dial makes that simple. This three-pronged approach was, quote, the user interface that we didn't see anywhere in the car world. Soderstrom said. In pricing CarThing at 90 bucks, Spotify is straddling two worlds. On one side, CarThing isn't meant to be a revenue engine. Hardware is, quote, a means to an end, Soderstrom said. Spotify hopes you'll pay for its service more so than its hardware. But on the other side, Spotify doesn't want to sell CarThing at a loss just to make back the money on memberships. It wants to get CarThing in as many cars as possible, but it will gauge CarThing's success by the new subscribers and higher listening rates from existing members it attracts, end quote. And finally today, let's do a review for Samsung's Galaxy S22 Ultra, and let that stand for the reviews of the entire S22 lineup. Allison Johnson at The Verge says that Samsung's big boy flagship, the one with the stylus, has great performance, has improved cameras, and welcome S Pen support, but a lackluster battery and unflattering night selfie portraits do mar the experience a tad, quote, Phones in a flagship lineup have come to feel like variations on a theme. There's the base model, the bigger base model, and then the biggest model, with an extra camera and some other minor hardware upgrades. Features, screen size, and cost all increase in increments as you go up the chain, but you're more or less getting the same phone in three different flavors. That's been true of Samsung phones for the past few years, but it's not the case anymore. The $1,199 Galaxy S22 Ultra sits at the top of this year's lineup as an entirely different option. It's the first S-series phone to include a built-in stylus, a feature it's inheriting from the evident now retired Galaxy Note series. On top of that, it still offers a very good 10x optical zoom, as well as some appealing updates to its photography features. It happens to be a great phone too, but despite its place in Samsung's mainstream S series, it still feels like the enthusiast device that the Note series represented. Samsung has, at least, made the job of deciding which of this trio of phones is for you very easy. If you miss the Note and you love the stylus life, get the S22 Ultra. There's nothing else like it in Samsung's lineup or anything else on the market, really. If you're just slightly curious about the stylus or the 10x zoom or you just want a really nice big screen phone without a lot of fuss, then you're probably better off with the S22 Plus. It's not for everyone, but for a few, the S22 Ultra is a truly great device, end quote. Skipping down to the conclusion and quoting again, it's hard to come up with things that the Galaxy S22 Ultra can't do. Can I make a GIF from a video I took and paste it into a note that's pinned to my home screen? Yes. Can I take a clear photo of the top of Seattle's Smith Tower while standing several blocks away at street level? Yes. Can I take a picture of my dishwasher's model number, convert it to text, and paste it into Google as I search for a part that mysteriously vanished into thin air? Also yes. It can do just about anything you can reasonably expect a slab-style phone to do in 2022, 
but the S22 Ultra is not a phone for just anyone. Do you really want to embrace the stylus life, or are you merely stylus curious? Will you really use that 10x lens again and again, or will you just take a few photos with it and forget that it's there? Do you plan to take and edit 40-plus megabyte RAW files on your phone more than once or twice? Take a good look in the mirror and ask yourself those questions before you spend $1,200 on this phone and potentially another $50 on a charger. Really, Samsung has already done the work of judging whether this phone is for you. If you're someone who would get the most out of the Ultra, you probably already know it. If you're questioning whether it would be worth it, then you'd probably be just fine with the S22+. Plus. For someone who does plan to make regular use of its powerful but rather niche features, the S22 Ultra will be a phone like no other on the market. Some UI quirks remain and battery life is disappointing, but if you can live with those shortcomings and navigate the sometimes steep learning curve of the S Pen life, then you'll be well rewarded with a device that's truly one of a kind." End quote. She ended up giving it a 9 out of 10 Verge score. Heads up, we're going to record this week's Twitter Space tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, so 5 p.m. Pacific. It's an unusual time and day for us, but we're doing it today so that we can talk to Tesla Daily's Rob Maurer to do our sort of annual check-in with Elon Musk land. So join us for that tonight. As always, the recording will post this weekend. Talk to you tomorrow.